Hi, it's Dennis and Lisa McEntee, and you are here at the Drama Free Living Podcast. Lisa, it is us. We are together. In one place. (laughs) In one place. It doesn't always happen that way. It doesn't happen very often, but we are so glad when it does. So Lisa, I've been really excited about this retention series that we've just been, we've really been thinking through because we know it's a challenge and a struggle for just a lot of our our clients and our audience. And, you know, maybe you're having a struggle with it. And one thing that we realize is that, you know, Lisa, people want to be led. It's it's almost like you lead people according to how they like to be led. Right. But you know what the tendency with us is, is we tend to lead people the way we like to be led. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm always sort of just cognizant of like, who's my audience, you know, who, who's the team member, because even our different team members, like on our team, it's like, I can't treat them all the same. Right. Yeah. And, and so I know what's comfortable for me. I know what I enjoy. And so without awareness of those around me, I'm just going to assume that oh, they must like this too. If I like it, they like it. But that's not how things work. That's not how life works because we are all incredibly different and we have different skills. We have different interests. And so, you know what? And that's part of that whole, you know, the GPS system that we talk about is just figuring out what drives other people, what excites other people. Well, and it's almost like it's fascinating that word motivate. You know, I know we say we motivate and that's a part of leadership. But Lisa, like, think about it. It's like motivate is motive at its core. It's it's motive. And who can tell you what your motive is? That's right. Right? I mean, really. Your motive is very, very personal. And it's almost like when your organization's motives and personal motives sort of intertwine, that's where you get like the biggest bang. That's where you get this sort of surge of energy. And I think that's a little bit the goal of a lot of leaders. It's like, we have to figure out how can we make our corporate motives sort of match the personal motives. That's a pretty deep concept. Well, and it's not, it, it's a deep concept and I don't, and I think it's simple, but it's not easy, right? It's a mm-hmm. simple concept, but boy, how do you really put that into practice? And I think the fallacy sometimes is that we think we're motivating people, but if we're not attuned to their motives, then they're really not motivated, right? We can think we're giving all these attaboys and great job, but if it's not matching their motives, it's really why at least we we created that GPS tool. And that's where at relationalgps.com. Uh, retention GPS. Retention. Retentiongps.com. <laughs> Close because it's totally tied relationally. Well, maybe it but should be relational. Okay. So <laughs> but it's retentiongps.com. Yeah. And so we'll we'll give you a chance to uh, download that at the end of the podcast today. And you know what's interesting? So um the the five love languages, that's something that I think is you know, pretty well understood or, you know, taught across a lot of different uh, industries. Well, and, and, and we want to encourage you, like, go check out if you have not read that book. It's Gary Smalley is the author of the five mm-hmm. love languages and even has something in the workplace. And we'll, we'll, we'll put that in the podcast notes for you so that you have that. And that's, and that's a really good example of how, you know, how you communicate to someone else is how you typically like to be communicated, how you love someone else whether you're, you know, words of affirmation or, um, you know, acts of service, these different ways. And it's, it's the same in the workplace, like how you motivate someone. It's the same concept. So if you, if you're familiar with the five love languages and how that works, you know, just think of that in the workplace and in motivation. And it's, um, 
So how I would be motivated in the workplace and and even the way that I would I would like to for someone to do a like a review with me, like a like an annual review with me is going to be completely different than like Dennis, how you would want an annual review. And so, and those are all ways annual reviews, first of all, they're like, this is how this is how you've done, but really they're they're also a motivating tool. It's like this is this is how you can. Um, just really be a superstar in your position. And if you can think about motivating someone in the workplace, the way that just really hits home with them, then that's going to be a win-win. Yeah. So we just want to encourage you lead people according to how they like to be led, motivate people according to what motivates them. And it kind of ties back in. Lisa, maybe, maybe people on the podcast didn't listen to the previous one where we kind of talked about the generation. So just, just really quick, just kind of give like a quick foundation. And then we've got some quick thoughts that maybe will help people with how to bridge this generation gap. Yeah. So we've got, you know, really we have, um, generational differences in the workplace. Um, it's just, that's what we've got going on. And the basic generations that we have, we've got our traditionalists, um, also called the silence. And they were, they lived through the Great Depression, World War II. Then we've got our baby boomers. That's, you know, the Vietnam, Watergate era. We've got our Gen Xs. That's our dot-com, our Cold War. We have our millennials. And there's Columbine, the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. And then we've got our Gen Zs. And that's the pandemic, the 2008 financial crisis. So we've got all of these different people that have a completely different worldview based on what they personally lived through and what directed them immediately affected them. And so like with baby boomers, you know, they really truly want to be mentors. Baby boomers, they they're cautious and, and they're not afraid to change, but they're, um, you know, but they're a little bit hesitant and, you know, then we've got the um, Gen Xers and you know what, really, truly, they want flexibility. They want work-life harmony. They want access to personal development and, and they see change as an opportunity, not as a problem to fix. And then you've got your middle millennials. Um, they really want to get to be known on a personal level. They want real-time feedback and flexibility. They, okay, these guys are millennials. These, they are the next generation of leaders. And we need to see that as, oh, they're not just millennials. No, they are our leaders. They are our leaders in our corporations and they are leaders, our leaders in our countries. And we, you know, they just, they truly, they want flu, uh, fluidity and they want flexibility. And then we've got our Gen Zs. And they value individuality and self-awareness. Um, and their perspective is almost polar opposite of our traditionalists. And so we've got all of these different people and they all want to be, and they need to be motivated differently. They, their annual reviews need to be different. Even your weekly interactions and your check-in meetings and your check-in calls, they're all completely different based on what generation you happen to be talking about. And, you know, it's, it, it's easier if you're, that particular team that you're dealing with, hey, they are all Gen Xs and you can sort of kind of treat them all the same. But when you've got a team that's made up of a multi-generational group, um, then you've got an additional challenge of not just dealing with each individual personality, but then you also are dealing with each 
each generation and how to communicate so they all feel valued. Well, and you know, Lisa, that was really great. And I, I just wanted to bring one sort of idea is that really these differences and, you know, people are very different and we kind of just gave sort of like four categories of people, right. right? But these differences shouldn't drive us apart. No, they should drive us together, right? Because we need to celebrate the different perspectives, right? It's like, Lisa, you married me, not because I was different than the other guys that you met. It wasn't in my similarities, but it was in my difference. Right. And it's almost like the difference is the value, right? We we are involved in different activities or different relationships, not because they're the same, but their difference really creates the value. But if we don't learn to celebrate that differences, and, and I just want to encourage us, okay? Because I, I know, Lisa, I, in a lot of the different association meetings and keynote talks, like inevitably somebody is always talking about, you know, these generational divides, but here's the big mistake that I've seen people make is we start categorizing people and we start naming them and actually depersonalizes them, Mm. right? All of a sudden it's like those millennials, well, you're just a millennial. It's like, well, no, you're a person. And yeah, these might be characteristics of how they think, but everybody's individual, everybody's unique. And I think we just have to be very, very careful as we lead people that we just don't kind of name it, right? Because how you name something really determines how you feel about it, right? And all of a sudden, when it's when we depersonalize it, it becomes this thing, right? It doesn't become a person with like a unique value and, you know, unique desires and unique motivation. So even though great, these are great categories. And I think it's super important to understand, but you know, you, you can have somebody that was born in that millennial generation actually have these baby boomer characteristics. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've heard the term old soul, you know, and, and, and old soul really essentially is someone from a generation, maybe that, that more identifies with a previous generation. And that's, that's, that's really where that term old soul is, is, you know, they may be, they may be in a millennial body, but they've got a baby boomer, you know, kind of lifestyle and mindset. And so what we're saying is, is people are all different and these are guidelines and don't put anybody in a box because these guidelines, they're just kind of an idea to keep you from running into the ditch, but you know, you know, it's not going to get you a home run. So, you know, you're going to look at, you know, the characteristics of each individual person, but then you're also going to look at the characteristics of the generations and generational differences. um, They can feel like they're creating rifts in your organization. And, you know, what we need to do is we need to have an inclusive leadership, inclusive, inclusive in the, in the areas of diversity, age and generation are forms of diversity in the workplace. And we need to be inclusive in those. And I think that's honestly, one of these things that we're going to be dealing with over the next um, five, 10 years is how to live include, how to have inclusivity generationally. Yeah. Cause at least it only becomes a riff if you allow it to be a riff. Yeah. And let's not allow it. Let's stop it now before it becomes broader than what it is. You know, at least as we're kind of talking, I'm I'm thinking about this idea of the golden rule. Now, if people have been in my workshops, they they know what my personal golden rule is, right? He who has the gold rules. No, that's not the one. Right. No, the, I, I, Some people think that's well, it, but that right, is not it. Right. And, and it's not the traditional golden rule that you're going to see from you know, the scriptures, which we believe, but our golden rule is there is gold inside of every person. Mm-hmm. And almost like a miner, when he goes into mine for gold, it, he's not focused on dirt, 
He's focused on gold. And I think almost that's how managers need to be, right? It's That's how it is working with people. It's like some people that you have on your team, it's like a gigantic gold bar and just kind of dust it off. And maybe other people on your team, it's like you walk into the mine and go, oh my gosh, it's just a bunch of crud and dirt, but there's got to be gold here somewhere. I got to find the gold. And you almost want to, we kind of teach manners to be gold diggers. <laughs> there it is. We just said it, right? We just said it on the air, be a gold digger. And what we mean by that is really dig the gold out of people. And almost like with these differences, there's gold in there. There's gold in those differences. They think different. People, you know, people look at things differently in all these perspectives. They, they, really, they really help sort of form like a whole, like they, they help us make the best decisions. They do. They do. And that's, um, those, those kinds of things are decisions, good decisions, the best decisions. That's really what we're after. And, and just helping to motivate our people to empower them to be the best that they can be. And when we can understand what like retentiongps.com, where we understand where that gold is and we understand what their potential is, um, then we can gently help them reach that and move that. And part of that is, is knowing that, um, knowing change, some generations are more accustomed to change than others. But what we do know is that change is here to stay. We don't know what the future is going to be. And we don't know what that change is going to be. We just know that it's going to be change. Well, you know, what's funny about change, Lisa, is that, you know, there's this big sort of debate, you know, people don't like change and how people don't like change, but I'm not sure it's super true. Here's, here's what I think. I think it's not that people don't like change. It's that people don't like change that they have no say over. That's very interesting. And I also think that people don't like change that makes them feel uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. When you think about like, you know, a lot of things that change, maybe like economies and society and how people think it's like this change and the change. And, and it's like, well, they almost feel like the victim, like it's happening to them. Instead mm-hmm. of stepping back and go, okay, this is happening and it's happening for me. So what do I do with it? How do I like navigate through it? Because because you're right, it's it's super uncomfortable. And then you don't have any say in it. And then mm-hmm. you know, you feel like it's forced upon you. And you know, I, I think the big goal is like continuing to help people like get out of that victim mentality. Right. right? And and when um and the reason people feel uncomfortable is that they don't have any say. And when people don't have any say then they can feel uncomfortable. And that's such a huge aspect of why we want to create buy-in in our teams. We're going to really create this inclusive leadership. Yes, the inclusivity, because then people all feel like their voice, that they have a voice. Well, it goes back to this whole idea that you know people believe their own data. Right. And when they're able to, and sometimes like it's not even that my opinion is like taken or my idea is taken, but it's like, hey, at least I had an opportunity to, you know, say what I thought and give my ideas, you know, because the worst thing, if you're not going to build an inclusive team, is for you have team members to sit there and not say anything and they know it's not going to work. And then on the back end, they go, oh, yeah, I knew that wouldn't work. Oh, I knew that was a bad idea on the back end, right? It's like, hey, don't tell me on the back end, tell me on the front end. But if we don't build this inclusive leadership, people are not going to have the freedom to like say that. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, leaders who instill senses of belonging in their employees, I mean, studies have shown that there are huge benefits. And there's one study um, that 
they looked at inclusive leadership and the results were that the employees were 50% more productive, 90% more innovative, 150% more engaged, and there was 54% lower employee turnover. I mean, who doesn't want that? What, what employer and what employee doesn't want that? And that was, those are the results of inclusive leadership. And it's really why we created this GPS tool mm-hmm. is really to help managers really create an inclusive leadership style so that they get better buy-in and, and really they get better. Like, let's get better results. It's like, let's be more efficient, mm-hmm. right? You think about all of those things that you just read. I mean, that has efficiency screaming all over it. And I know being a manager and being a leader, like efficiency is a huge topic Right. right, but it's like, but how we lead people many times causes them to be inefficient, mm-hmm. right? It causes some of this drama and some of these, you know, sort of sidebar conversations that really don't add any value. Right, absolutely. So we have a couple ways that you can build inclusivity in your team, generational inclusivity. The first way would be utilize the uh, GPS tool you know, utilize their, it's their goals, their passions and their struggles. struggles. And so if you, if you down, if you go to retentiongps.com, you can help just kind of understand where each of the, each of your, the people on your team are, are struggling with and where they want to go. And it's a way to just kind of draw them in and it's a way for them to have buy-in and it's a way for them to, to, it's a way for you to instill a sense of belonging in your employees. Yeah. And so we want to encourage you, you know, one way to do this as leaders is develop this resiliency, this agility in your leadership, which means that you have to learn these five different ways of leading people and lead people according to how they want to be led, right? Because if the only tool you have is a hammer, think about this. The only time you have success is when you hit a nail. Yeah. Right. So if, and really these are five different tools in your tool belt that you can pull out at different times, but it really takes a resilient leader and really having like strong mental fitness. And in fact, Lisa, that's what a lot of our workshops do is they create mental fitness inside of managers. In fact, this week I'm in Augusta in Milwaukee and it is all about mental fitness, really helping managers create this mental fitness so that when they come up with these issues and these challenges and these struggles, how do they best like navigate their team with an inclusive leadership style so that they get the best results? Right. Because managers have significant influence on the employee experience. And so you might hire great employees, but if your managers, um, they're the ones that really have the possibly the most influence on the employees. Well, it goes back to what Marcus Buckingham said from Gallup. He said that people don't leave a job, they leave their direct supervisor. Mm-hmm. And so we, so, so just helping managers, investing in the managers, investing in their mental fitness, investing in their ability to um, build their resili- resiliency and their agility. Absolutely. So continue to help them with skills. Lisa, is there anything yeah. else? And then the the third one would be um, give your people opportunities to look for, to have growth and development. Um, people, they we want to grow and we want to change and we don't want to get stuck. I don't care which, um, which generational group you're in. Nobody wants to be, to feel stuck. 
we just all learn and grow and change a little differently. And so as you're looking, as your managers are looking for opportunities for growth and development for the team, you know, it would be the managers helping them learn how to better resolve conflict, how to, how to promote problem solving, how to, how to, um, how to, have more transparent meetings, just um, and empower their their autonomy and empower your your um, team's autonomy. Yeah. So so look out for opportunities. Look look out. You know, on the landscape of your industry, and you know, don't just provide growth for yourself, but also step back and go, okay, what do I? How can I provide growth for my team? What are ways that you know? And, and it can be listen. It could be as simple as a book club. Like a lot of our organizations that we work with, just start there. Maybe it's a book club for your team. And it, it gives you a framework to have discussions around different topics that really help your efficiency and, and help your people grow. Yeah. And, you know, and those those book clubs are just they're they're a way to to encourage them to grow. And it's a way to kind of bring everyone together on a, on a um, common topic. And so then there is a little bit more of a communal aspect to, and a community minded life because you all at least have one thing in common yep. and that would be your book club other than maybe your spreadsheet or. <laughs> well, Lisa, and it goes back to, and we're going to kind of close it up here, but it goes back to this initial idea that I think frustrates people a lot is that you don't really have a retention problem you probably have a culture problem because retention just ends up becoming a symptom of a bigger problem. Now, culture can have an influence. Our culture currently is definitely having an influence on retention, Absolutely, but it's something that's across the board. But it, It's industry-wide. It's industry-wide, but we do know we have a really good friend of ours and man, his retention is like off the charts. They his team they they love they love their work and but and then we have others that we know and their retention is really suffering and so even though it's industry wide it's across across cultures it still is individualized by company yeah it's a retention symptom it is mm-hmm. a symptom it is a it can be a problem but it's the larger sort of the spider not the web is that culture and we get in trouble when we say well this is just how life is right now we just can't retain it's just when we blame when we place blame on external circumstances we have no power to do anything about it but when we take ownership for our re- our own retention issues then we have all the power and we have we can make the most change in our culture and our organizations that's it lisa own it change it fix it and go make it better and go change the world. That's right. Good stuff. Okay. Hey, listen, we want to encourage you. If you have not downloaded our free gift, retentiongps.com, it is a free thinking tool that we've developed for people just like you to help you really kind of uncover what these hidden motivators are so that you build this inclusive team that gets the best results, that's collaborative, creative, and gets things done very, very quickly. And we we want you to use this because you know what? We live to help companies have a better impactful culture. And that's really what we want to do is we just want you to have the best employees and the best company culture. Because you know what? That just makes a happier world. And that makes 
more more satisfied neighbors and if your neighbors are all like yeah i love my job think of what an amazing neighborhood you would have and what and what amazing schools and what amazing cities you have because yeah we all love what we're doing and that's what we want to do that's it so listen we're going to see you next time on the drama free living podcast 